idiots. Like Casey says, fella ain't got a soul of his own, just a little piece of a big soul. The one big soul that belongs to everybody. Then... Then what, Doc? Then it don't matter. I'll be all around in the dark. I'll be everywhere. Wherever you can look. Wherever there's a cop beating up a guy. I'll be there. I'll be in the way kids laugh when they're hungry and they know supper's ready. And when the people are eating the stuff they raise and living in the houses they build, I'll be there too. I don't understand it, though. Me neither, Ma, but just something I've been thinking about. You're listening to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. Thought-provoking interviews with interesting guests and commentary on everything. From sports to gardening, from good food with close friends, to great music and movies. Provided by your hosts, Cody Stoffer, the reluctant Gen Xer, and Craig Morton, the token baby boomer. These guys are allergic to big words, but not to big ideas. Profound things will be said, but they will be entirely by accident. Oh, yep, there we are. Welcome to the All That's Holy Blue Collar Podcast. I am Craig. That's Craig. He's the Gen Xer. No, I'm not. No. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) He's a baby boomer. I don't want to admit that I'm a baby boomer, but yeah, yeah, that's where I go. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, given the choice, though, between Gen Xer and boomer, I'll take the boomer. Uh, I'd go with the Xer. I don't know. And who Um, are you? I'm Cody. This is Cody. I'm the Jack. <laughs> and here we are. Okay. We're back in the swing of things. From our studios in the great Pacific Northwest. Coming to you from every area. Of That's the true. <laughs> but. So, what have you been doing this last week? Okay, well, let's see. What have I been up to? Uh, well, oh, I'm in a musical. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Yep, I'm in a musical. Bye Bye Birdie. Oh, really? That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah, I'm not a major thing. Um, I have a very spare amount of lines, just about four or five lines that are just uh, almost like texture dialogue, you know? Isn't that a musical? Yes, it's a musical. Mm-hmm. Does it have dancing? It does. We have not, we have not, my group, we're the ensemble, not the dance group. Uh, so we sing. Well, but you we know, don't. You, you are now a live, um, you know, body weight. You could be a, a dancer. <laughs> how, how, you posted something on Facebook. How many pounds have you lost since you started your, your diet thing? Well, so since I started working out, which was actually last August, okay. I have lost right at 100 pounds. Wow. And since I started with my nutritionist, that started in January, that's, okay. been, that's 90 pounds. So I lost 10 before that, kind of just working out and not doing anything really um, nutrition-wise other than what I thought was good. Right. And uh, then it really kicked up with my nutritionist helping me. So, yep. Wow. Yep. I'm feeling so good. Coming up a year almost on that nutrition part. Yeah, that's right. Get wow. Two more months, basically. Uh, so yeah, ten months. So what's the long-term plan on that? Well, the long-term plan. So the main idea with the nutritionist isn't really even necessarily. I mean, the side effect is you 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 lose weight. I mean, that's right. part of it. But the idea is that you have a lifelong way of eating that's healthy and smart and and doesn't get you back to where you were. So is that how you guys handle it as a family, that your diet is the family diet, or do you have just a special one that you do? No, no, it's pretty close. So my nutritionist is not, uh, she's not crazy. I mean, it's not a crazy, like, you know, restrict anything, really. The idea being you actually need everything, you know, so you need your carbs, you need need fat, you you need protein, so, you know, but you don't need a crazy 
whack balance of those things. Those things need to work together. And so you have, you know, in your day, you have whatever it might be for your body and you 2000 calories, 2,500 calories, whatever it is. And those 2000 or 1800 or 2500 need to be divided up into those macronutrients right. in a good balance that keeps your body peak, you know, at its, at its peak uh, operation. So, so is this, this something that after the year goes, you're just going to, you, you will have learned how to do it. You don't go to the nutritionist anymore or you, so yep. I did a year long contract with the nutritionist. And so when that's up, I have the option of then coming back to her, you know, once a month as need, you know, just if I essentially like a maintenance thing. So just a monitored way in and then any wisdom and advice as a nutritionist. But, you know, if you've got to the end of the year, the idea is, cause actually the cool thing is she not only helps you with, she gives you a, um, a nutrition plan, even sample menus, best practices for pit, you know, shopping, stuff like that. But then also there's a, maybe a three month. No, it's 50 days. So not quite two months. Um, so seven, what is that? Seven weeks. There's a seven week course that's built into it with a workbook and everything that goes into the science behind all that so that you actually have that, you know, in your brain, when you're looking at your macronutrients, you just don't go, okay, well, that's the magic formula that my nutritionist gave. You actually know the science behind why that works for your metabolism and body type, you know, structure behind it and all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty cool because you get all that um, science behind it too that basically gives you even more motivation to keep it up because you're not just like, well, I did it. I don't know why it worked. It just worked. So you find you're able to keep up with the kids a little bit easier? I mean, do you feel less fatigued or less? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. Yep. I feel more energetic. Oh, man. So, like, in the gym, um, to the last two weeks. So, when I first started working out of the gym, like, you know, I wanted to do – so, I do a four-day split, and right. I do upper body, lower body, upper body, lower body. That's how I do it. That's my approach to it. I mean, some people do three-day upper body, one lower body, whatever. But I recently – so I've done that in the past. But recently, I'm doing upper, lower, upper, lower. And uh, for my upper, way back when, you know, one of the recommended is doing dips, you know, shoulder dips. Yep. And I couldn't do them, you know. Like, it was just I, – I was too big. And right. – I didn't have the strength to do it. And so I just like, I'll find alternative stuff. And I did. Well, in the last two weeks, I've been, I was like, okay, you know, now that I've basically lost almost 100 pounds, let's give it a try. And I've, so I'm doing dips. That's awesome. And not only that, like when I first started, they have a hanging, you know, to do the um, leg raise, which works your abs, you know. Right. Uh, captain's chair. Yeah. And when I first started, like, I barely could fit in it to begin with, you know, like it was just super. uncomfortable. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. So it was just super uncomfortable to be in. And so I stopped. I didn't do that. You know, I couldn't even do I could I could swing my legs up and do it. But I was just it didn't feel good. You know, so I didn't do that. Well, today I gave it a go and it was perfect. You know, that's cool. Yeah. 20 of them. No problem. Yeah. So it was. Yeah. Well, I heard I heard this thing years ago back when I was about your age, back a long time ago. <laughs> and it was the body you have when, you 30, when you're 35 is most likely the body you're going to have the rest of your life. So when you're in, in your mid-30s, get it fixed. <laughs> or else you'll put up with it forever. Yeah. And That's what I'm doing. Yeah. I'm a little past yeah. 35, but close. They're close enough. Yeah. yeah right? That's pretty cool. Yeah. I feel good. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks for asking. Well, it's kind of neat. It's just really good to hear when I love it when I go to the gym and I see people who are, you know, it's obvious that they need to work on it, but they're sticking with it. And over time, when you see these people keep coming back to the gym, you see them and you see that it's working. It's just kind of, it's nice to see. So that, yeah. So yeah, it's kind of cool because you, maybe you help motivate other people too, but at the same time, people who are there all the time anyway, like they notice and, and, they've walked up to me like even in the last like two months or so, like I've all the time people are like, Hey, 
I just wanted to tell you, man, I've noticed, you know, or whatever. And that's cool. You know, it helps motivate me. It keeps me going because I'm like, yeah, it feels nice, you know? That's cool. That's Mm -hmm. good. Yep, yep. Well, I'm I'm trying to get in shape because track practice starts on uh, November 26th. So Indoor track practice? Indoor track. And so I've got a – it's – I still got some some body aches and pains that are going to make that one a little bit uh, difficult, but uh, it's getting better. Mm-hmm. But I'm not, I'm not going to do full full hurdling this year to demonstrate. That's just not going to probably not going to happen. Because last year you tripped over a hurdle, didn't you? No, no. I just I just kind of tweaked my back okay. as I as I. Uh, brought my hip up over, you know. That's right, that's right, that's right. Yeah, I don't hit hurdles anymore. I'm I'm beyond that. <laughs> You've risen above. That's only amateurs. Yeah. <laughs> so. Funny. Um, yeah. So the cool, that's what in my world. What uh, you're? So where are you talking from? I am in Salem, Oregon, right now. That's and, not where uh, you live. What's that? That's not where you live. No, I live. Well, I this it, it is where I live when I'm here. <laughs> That's true. Um, I tend to live wherever I am. Um, <laughs> my 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 permanent residence, though, yes, is in Meridian, Idaho. Okay. Yeah, there but I've been working this for for this church now. This is the twelfth twelfth month that I've come out to work with them during their transition. And uh, one of the things in our in our uh, denomination is that. I think if the statistic holds, it has been that there's one pastoral candidate available for every six churches looking. Oh, wow. And uh, so it takes churches quite a long while uh, to to go through that whole pastoral search process. And so I kind of fill in, do do a little pastoral care, but mainly working with this congregation, going through a discernment process on how to deal with uh, welcoming or affirming LGBTQ folk. Mm-hmm. Which is really fun for the interim to do, for me to do in this time of transition, because I, kind of regardless of which direction the church discerns to go on the question, my job is just to help them process it well. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so I don't, I don't really have a have a, you know, stated interest in the outcome, even though I probably really do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I try to moderate that a bit. Right. But we've had some really, really. Uh, Really good meetings, really fruitful. So awesome, very cool, very cool. Uh, <clears throat> should we? Is there any news items we want to talk about, or do we want to get into some? Like, I think we might talk about some liturgical calendar stuff. Yeah, let's talk about some liturgical calendar stuff because I think when we start talking a little bit about the second week of Advent, yeah, we might get into some new stuff, new things. Yeah, there's there's a lot of contemporary events related to the second week of Advent. For example? Contemporary events. (laughs) Uh, All of them. So Advent. Okay. Uh, If you want to sound cool, you can say it in Latin and say Adventus. Oh, Adventus. Um, I don't, but... Does, do you really sound cool if you you speak Latin, or do you just well, think you sound cool? I think I, I think it sounds cool when speak, people speak Latin when they know what they're doing. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, it makes it sound like they they know like the law or medicine, you know. Oh it's, yeah. But I don't know. Somehow, I guess maybe for um, church people, it doesn't sound quite so smart. It sounds I don't know. Like you're putting it, on airs. Yeah, or that, you know, if you're a participant in a church that was part of the Reformation, it's like, wait, did you forget something? I <laughs> but, but, yeah, Advent. Um, I, we mentioned that the last time that it's the beginning of the church year. That's right. And uh, I, I don't know that a lot of people think about the church year, other than preachers, perhaps. And even then, it depends on what uh, denomination you're in. Yeah, yeah. I'd really like to find out what is the uh, how 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 widely the liturgical year is used by oh, a variety of church traditions, right? And non you know non denominational churches. Yeah. Because uh, my hunch is almost everybody does something during Advent, right? Um, Whether they name it Advent or not. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, so I'll tell you what I grew up with. You want to hear? Yeah. Where, which, what kind of church did you grow up in? I grew up in a, a like very, I mean, completely non-denominational church. So we were, the name of the church was Little Lost River Community Church. No, I'm sorry. Little Lost River Bible Church. Okay. So it was, uh, but, but also people referenced it as the Lost, Little Lost River Community Church, but I mean, whatever. It was a catch-all, really. Like, honestly, like, it's in the middle of nowhere. The town itself is in the middle of nowhere. So it's just like, like, legitimately, people laugh when I say this, but it was the options were you're either in the area where I grew up, you're either LDS or you're not LDS. Right. And so if you're not LDS, you just kind of got to go with the one option for a church. You know, if you want to go to church, then you have the one option. And so it was a catch-all in a lot of, a lot of ways. Right. But, but yeah. that, that would have some benefits, I mean, yeah. for a community. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. You know, we were, um, you could have a diverse conversation about topics. I mean, it still is Idaho. <laughs> rural southern idaho so it's yeah not super diverse but uh, there were people especially as this is interesting especially as the internet crept in and even for a small backward town like how like i don't know how it happened but we got the internet the same time as everyone else so and i say that be, that it's interesting because how itself didn't even get a multi-party phone line until the 80s but does it have anything to do with uh, the, the nuclear scientists yeah. over yep. there? Yep, I think that's a part of it. So we yeah. got, I can, so when I was 11, so we're talking 92, 90, 91, 92, and I want to say it was the summer of 92. So they were laying fiber optic cable in 92 out there, which is like that was leaps and bounds, you know, ahead of where we were. And yeah, anyway, so information, like how quickly went into the information age. Um, how, how, along, quickly? How, how quickly? quickly? No, I'm sorry. The town of Howe <laughs> made the transition. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> well, anyway, so that impacted the conversations, you know, because you were able, I was able to look up um, beyond what I'd been exposed to, you know, theologically. And uh, yeah, so I was able to have conversations in high school with my pastor. You know, he had his own, of course, take, and that, in a, to a large extent, shaped the, the church's view. But there was room. There was room for conversation. So, so did they did, did they do an Advent before Christmas so, or Easter? No, or? no Advent. What okay. we did was like when Thanksgiving was over, we started singing Christmas carols. You know, like Christmas carols in church and we would hang decorations we didn't call it the hanging of the greens because that's too much in the calendar <laughs> and uh yeah so i didn't even know that advent really was a thing that churches did i i'd heard about it read a little bit about it but i was just like well, okay, did just you ever as a kid get one of those calendars with the little doors to call yes, it advent yes, calendar yeah so that was how i very first heard about it was, okay and, and that was basically how it was explained to me is, you know, Advent's just uh, counting and leading up to Christmas. That's, you know, it's just part of the Christmas season. Not true. It is not just part it's of the It's its Christmas own season. season. It's its own thing. But yeah. I didn't learn that till later. Yeah. Well, did you ever sing the, the 12 days of Christmas? Yeah. Yep. And did you, did you think that meant the 12 days leading up to Christmas? I, admit, I I asked like what is yeah like are there people who have twelve Christmas days, you know? And right. I got no. My, I don't think my parents knew, really. What? So how would you answer that question today? Oh yeah, I would say that there is a season of Christmas, you know, that starts on Christmas Day, yeah, and unfolds, and it's only yeah, it is only. 12 days long and then goes into epiphany. So, yeah. Well, but not only is it only 12 days long, it is 12 days long because it's better than just one day. That's right. Exactly. And when we, when we were uh, homeschooling our kids and they were small and everybody's at home on Christmas day, we'd have one gift, one special yeah. gift on the second day of Christmas. We'd maybe do some baking or something special on the third day. We'd go to take a family trip on the fourth day. We would, open up extended family gifts. Mm -hmm. I love it. Day, we'd 
you know, maybe go shopping for each other. And, I love yeah, it. We just, we, we strung that, that 12 days out, usually ending with a trip to like, I think it was Red Lobster was the place to go. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Lobster. Yeah. So it was, it was, uh, we really made it a 12 day season. Like Which is really kind of sad once the kids all grew up and moved away and everything because then it's oh, it's just one day again. Yep. So um, I try to. I do. We, in our family, we try to extend it. And in the church, we try to make it a, you know, we don't, in fact, we don't sing any Christmas carols leading up to Christmas. That usually drives people in congregation it crazy. It does, man. They're like, why aren't we singing? about the wise men and i'm like we don't sing about the wise men till january Sit down and shut up no i don't that's know. epiphany <laughs> i'm not that super strict like right. if, if a song does fit the theme of the day that we're kind of talking about in the advent i'll overlook maybe that one verse that does talk about the birth you know and stuff like that but yeah i try not to get too legalistic about it right. Uh, right. But, right. yeah well, so, so the value of the liturgical year, so we go with Advent to Epiphany, mm -hmm. Epiphany to, well, the season of Epiphany, right. which is depending on how many days there are in the year and when the moon shows over for Easter, <laughs> all that yeah. kind of stuff. Epiphany is anywhere from four or five weeks. I think last year was a really short Epiphany. Yes. And then it can go like seven weeks. And then mm -hmm. at the end of Epiphany comes Ash Wednesday. Yep. And Ash Wednesday begins the Lenten season. Yep. Correct? Yep. Then we go to Passion Week. Yeah. Is Passion Week part of Lent or is it its own season? <clears throat> it is still part of, no. Passion, is, right, if you lead up to the Thursday, right, is Lent. And then so that's Monday, Thursday. Okay, right. So Monday, Thursday, Good Friday. Yep. Holy Saturday. Yep. And that's the Holy Tritium. And, and what is special about Holy Saturday? It's uh, Jesus is in the tomb. What's he doing? What is he doing? <laughs> Resting. Well, or uh, Apostle Peter would say he's preaching the gospel to those oh, yeah. who are dead. He's kicking down the gates of hell, man. That's right. That's right. He's so, not resting. Forget that thing. And then, um, and so then you come into Easter, and then Easter's its own season for what? Another six weeks? Yep. That's right. Oh, uh, yes. This is a sun. This is a year. No. Or is it seven weeks? Because you've got to go fifty days. Forty-nine yeah. days. Wait. Forty-nine. Forty-nine days. Yep. To Pentecost. I was going to say Epiphany this year is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. It's a long one this year. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So then, so then we go to the Pentecost. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. And, oh, well, wait, we're, okay, that's later. No, we have Pentecost. Yep. And that's a 28-week season, roughly? Yeah, it's a long one. Let's see. Let's see. This year it is 21, 2, 3, 3. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, 24. All right. Yeah, so it's, it's a long season. Yep. And uh, that's the one that I know most preachers will take time to – take some other topic, do their own thing. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Now with the liturgical calendar, uh, oh wait, then after, after Pentecost, then we go to a one, a one day transition. Uh, Christ the King Sunday. Yep. Yep. Christ the King. Yep. So, so that whole year doing it every year, uh, I really like it. It, it, um, I remember the first few years of preaching, we didn't, the church I was at, we didn't use, use the lectionary. And it mm -hmm. kind of left me wondering, what am I going to preach about? And I realized that some of the things that I was preaching on, sometimes I would just re, uh, put retreads unintentionally on the same topics that I found interesting. And I kept right. on almost repeating myself. No, so, that happens. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so the, the lectionary kind of forced me to pick up new topics, move to new sections, mm -hmm. at least every three years. And then the three years, 
you know, the ABC cycle, by the time I come back to the third year, the fourth year back to start it all over again, I'm not the same person who I was, okay. you know, the last it's, time I was through those scriptures. Yep. It's and fresh at least for me, it makes things a little bit easier. Yep. Now, one thing worship leaders probably need to know is you don't need to make all the scriptures fit. No, no, no. no. Although, a lot of times you can. Yeah. Well, especially for the special days, you know, yeah. like, uh, you know, like the Ascension. Uh, or uh, the transfiguration. It seems like a lot of times those tend to to, to jive with each other. Yep, that's true. Very but, true. But so yeah, I no, find I, it valuable. And also in Christian formation, if mm-hmm. we say these seasons have meaningful impact on how we read the Bible and how we, you know, what what you know what what are important elements to Christian life. Yeah, there's no problem going over them again. Right. Uh, I also, and I like the idea of just a that it reflects even not necessarily that your life, that our life individually flows exactly like the church calendar, but in our life, we have seasons of life and yeah, I like it. I love the, I love the liturgical calendar now. Well, so, so speaking of liturgical calendar, we're, we're, we're back to Advent. Yes. So second week of Advent. Second week because, of Advent is about because last week we talked about. Uh, oh right. Our, our last episode we talked about the first week of Advent a little bit and about hope and we talked about apocalypse and revelation. And There's so much to talk about apocalypse. I know. It's it's it doesn't do its service to just slide by it, but I know we kind of had to. Yeah. Next year we will be bringing the heat. <laughs> On, that, that, that sounds somewhat apocalyptic right there. <laughs> yes, it does. And the sun will turn red. <laughs> or no, the moon will turn red. Ooh. The sun will be blotted out. And we'll be a, it'll be a fireball swallowing the earth. Just kidding. Yeah, that's rough. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> metaphorical. Yeah. All right. So the second week, so, so one of the things that I, that, I've often wondered is, uh, you know, Advent wreaths, four candles. I was looking at one wreath, and there were actually uh, 20, 25 candles. And Wait, what? 25 candles on a wreath. And it was, a, it was, it was an, a monastic tradition, and one of the old Advent traditions, not old, but the wreath, I think, first came around like 1600s or something like that but that monasteries would light one candle a day. Mm. And, uh, and then they, somebody, somebody got the idea that it's like way too much wax <laughs> and uh, decided to limit it. Yeah, it does. But, but we now have waxless candles. Well, it, that, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I know. Can I tell you, we do at our church here, the UN, the United Methodist Church, we do our, uh, this is not Advent, you know, but the, we do a, uh, a candlelit service, candlelight service. All right. And because we have had people in the past who have oxygen tanks, we have to be right. Very careful. Oh. Open flames. So we did, we do battery powered ones where you, you know, and it's so lame. I can't, it is so lame because you're like, you know, you want to do the like, I love the idea of, you know, you're passing the Christ light. You know, right. And what you were basically like, all right, everyone just flip your switch on. Or, oh, hey, hey, new, new phone app. Yeah. Phone app that starts with a light. Yeah. And you actually have to touch somebody else's phone. Yeah, see? There and it actually, like it's a, call, call the app. Tap light. <laughs> Tap light. Oh, man. I'll yeah. write that one down. Let's make that. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, Tap okay, light. sorry. So I wandered off there. Sorry. But anyway, the second week of Advent is peace. Correct. Peace. And we're talking about that kind of inner peace where I'm good with God and I can find a quiet place and just enjoy a cup of tea and watch the leaves fall. <laughs> Um, right? Well, no. <laughs> okay, so okay, so then we're talking about the kind of peace where 
like uh, maybe I'm sitting out on the back porch having a warm cup of coffee and watching the squirrels. Uh, no. Um, oh, a good night's sleep? Maybe no, like no, no. Okay. okay. Well, one thing I've noticed is that you keep going uh, to the individualized there. Yeah, yeah. And I would think that peace certainly incorporates that. But well, it's so that, much, that, was that, you know, let there be peace on earth and let it begin with me? So it's, it's all right. about me, but No, no. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. No. So... So one of the things I, one of the things I think it's great about this week is to balance the ter, the word peace with justice. Yeah. Yes. And so those things go very closely together. Yes. Peace and justice. Can you have peace without justice? Not uh, not yeah, not a true peace, not I guess. Not real. Not the, okay, so well, when I hear peace, I don't just think uh, you know, I don't think of what necessarily, I mean, I like I said, it incorporates some of what you're saying, but I think of so much bigger. Like I think of this idea of like, okay, so the Jewish word is shalom, right? Right. And the idea of shalom is just this like, com uh, the world just completely, um, oh man, what's the word I'm looking for? Like flourishing, complete, whole with God kind of a thing. Right. Can I get at it a little bit? I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's kind of everything's working the way it was supposed to work. Yeah, yes. That's what I think of. Yeah. So, uh, so I, yeah, so again, that would certainly incorporate an individual thing. But, but what, are the, what are the challenges? I mean, this is, this is a, a week, I mean, it's called peace, but if the, the scriptures that are generally, you know, that have been chosen for, for, the, for this year in the lectionary, mm -hmm. uh, it, it includes a passage from Luke 3 about John the Baptist. And John the Baptist, a voice crying out in the wilderness, prepare a way to the Lord, make his pathways straight. Yeah. Every valley yeah. shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, the crooked shall be made straight, the rough made smooth. But the, the thing is, I don't know about you, but that verse 5, where every valley shall be filled, every mountain and hill shall be made low, um, was... was was Isaiah, when he talked about that, was he talking about just geography and road construction? No, I think it's like the high. So the heights, it's almost like the idea of equality, man. Yeah, yeah. Like, so whenever equality is in question, people can Oh, I got somebody at my door. Hang on, pause. <laughs> Let me pause the recording. Okay. <laughs> All right. I'm recording yeah. again. Okay. <clears throat> Where were we? Valley oh. made low, equity. Well, we're talking about John the Baptist there too. Yes. Yep. Um, so yeah, I, I think people tend to think equality is something like a zero-sum game. If somebody gets more, then somebody has to have less. Mm -mm. And that whole valley filled and mountains, you know, hills, hills lowered is – is trying to say it's not a zero sum game. There's kind of a right. maybe a redistribution. Yep. Yeah. Now the the other part of it that that, uh, that I think is really interesting is who is the one bringing this good news? Mm. I mean, here's John the Baptist out there making this noise. Yep. Um, but it's also coming from the whole Judeo Jewish tradition. That's right. Which one of the things I think we lose track of in the Western world, mm -hmm. and uh, definitely in North America, most definitely in the United States, is this is written from the, the standpoint of people who were continually beat up, the downtrodden, the underdog. That's right. And who did not very often win. Nope. Uh, we're more used to being, you know, losing and being, you know, exiled and, and taken advantage of. So there's a little bit of, um, to me, there seems like there might be a bit of preference yeah. for the poor and for the downtrodden. Yep. Because, well, that's just who they were. That's right. Which then makes me wonder who might be marching toward us, Ooh. calling out for peace Ooh. and looking for justice, but we might not listen to them because they're not our people. Oh, my word. Anybody? Anybody come to mind? 
I th this is what you meant when you said contemporary news that connects well with our advent. Yeah, yeah, because I, I really think by that second week of advent, yes, uh, there will be some arrivals. Some arri well, arrivals are very close to arriving. Yeah, who are who are going to be met with extended razor wire mm. and uh, United States military on the southern border. Ugh. The caravan. Yeah. Yep. They, yeah, second week of Advent. Yes, uh, you're probably right. I mean, that's... They're marching. The, the synchronicity of that is kind of heartbreaking. Oh, boy, isn't it? Uh, the week of peace, the week of peace, or roughly close to it, some migrant folks, refugees from their homeland, will be meeting a wall. Yeah. <laughs> Metaphorically, because there's not a wall there yet. <laughs> no, they, yeah, not yet. But yeah, oh boy, that makes me think of a few things. Like what? Okay, so like, uh, so okay, so if we want to, I guess it depends on how brave um, our listeners who might be preachers or pastors or leaders in their churches want to be. Right. But if you do want to talk about this, and I think, why wouldn't you want to talk about this? Uh, <clears throat> I think I can think of a few resources that people can use. Oh, so what kind of resources come to you, come to mind for you? All right. So when I think about this, always, for about the last nine years, the first thing that comes to mind is a movie called The Visitor. Okay, yeah, yeah. Okay, and I don't know if you've seen it or not, but it, it, it stars in the lead a guy named Richard Jenkins, who's actually known mostly in his career for being a character actor. It's like one of his only lead roles, but he's a, he's a really, I mean, if you, you so when I say his name, you're probably like, I have no clue who that is, but if you, right. see him, if you saw his picture, you'd know exactly, oh yeah, that guy. That guy. Yep, that guy. He's a brilliant character actor. But in this one, he plays a professor who is a tenured professor, and he's in the State University of New York system, um, which I which is like a huge academic system. Like there's SUNY State University of New York campuses like all over New York, right? Right. And I think he's attached to the main one, which is actually in, I think, New York City or close, you know, like right around there. But he lives maybe even in another state. But anyway, away from the city. But he has to keep an apartment in the city in case he ever has to go back and you know teach some classes at the university or come for lectures or to give lectures and he's in such a position that he doesn't have to do that often he doesn't have to teach a lot of classes he's mostly like he's on staff as a researcher and he's supposed to be producing material you know like right. papers and articles and but he's kind of worn out from all that and he's just barely eking along and his wife has died, and uh, okay, and he keep talking. Um, I'm gonna step away for a bit. Okay, and he he uh, comes into the after his wife passes away. He's kind of forced to have to come back into the main campus and give a present a paper. And when he does that, he comes to his apartment that he hasn't been in for probably almost a year. And when he goes to his apartment. He walks in to a surprise, and the surprise is he has some visitors who've moved in because the landlord has, a, like, realized I can double my, the rent on this uh, apartment because this guy never comes. He's never here. And I have these undocumented people from the Middle East who need a place to stay, and they can pay me under the table. So I'll move them in. <laughs> so when this professor shows up, these people are in his apartment, these visitors. And I don't want to ruin anymore, but it's like give too much away because it all unfolds from there. But the transformation of the main character as he starts to connect with these visitors, because at first they're just like, we're going to move out. We'll get out of your hair. Sorry, we kind of got, you know, we're in the same boat as you. We got kind of screwed by this landlord basically. So now we're out on the streets. But anyway, he, he develops a relationship with them. 
and there's drama that unfolds out of there. And uh, yeah, the, the way he changes in the process as he's connecting with these visitors who he's, you know, from a totally different world than him. It's pretty impressive. It's a, it's a, a couple of different things. One is what is the gift of the visitor that you didn't anticipate? Right. But in a real practical sense, it makes me wonder about um, housing equity and yep. just why don't people have homes? Yeah. Um, I was trying to, there, there's a, there's a website uh, called city lab and they were reporting. This was a last summer, July, 2018 that the number of unoccupied homes in the United States jumped 26% uh, between 2005 and 2010. Now that's during the housing crisis, of course. Oh, wow. So that was, you know, uh, pushing that, but wow. roughly uh, about 12 million homes were empty, unoccupied in the United States. Oh, wow. And you know, not every one of those is like a vacation home or, you know, someplace, right. yep. uh, you know, special like that. Right. But, you know, there's a lot of empty houses in any subdivision anywhere that sometimes we're, we're bank owned and you kind of wonder, well, there's room for people. Mm. You know, we could, we could, we've got room for people, but if you happen to move into the house while you, while you aren't there, well, that'd be a, that'd be a nice movie too, I guess. But <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. <clears throat> oh. Well, another, another movie that you mentioned was, um, and I remember watching this one back when it first came out and was just kind of, I was initially startled by it. Was the was the um, District Nine? Yes. You know where it was. It was such a powerful metaphor that this story of these uh, you know aliens, I, the intergalactic type, uh, these aliens are in um, South Africa. They're 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 in Johannesburg. Yes. And someplace that you know had previous to this story had broken down apartheid mm -hmm. but as the story is being played out apartheid is being practiced on somebody else that's right because and they're otherworldly they're not it, even human yeah uh, one of the things i found out i was i was reading about this that the the movie set itself um it said that all the shacks in district nine were actual shacks that existed in a section of johannesburg which were to be evacuated and the residents moved to better government housing. Um, so the residents, the residents had not actually been moved out before the filming began. Oh, wow. Uh, and so the filming was actually part of that story. And so they used oh. footage of that. Oh, wow. uh, there was only one shack created solely for the film. Whoa. And so okay. that, 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 that shack and shambling kind of uh, neighborhood, that was real. That um, is insane. I did not know that. And I yeah. love that movie. That's a great movie. But, you know, it asks the question, gee, what if, what if, uh, you know, 7,000 um, Central Americans and South Americans emerged across the border? Yep. Would we, would we, would we put them in a, in a shack village together? Would we divide them up and separate them and send them all over the country? Oof, um, my, my hunch is we would separate them. Uh, ah, gee, I wonder why you have that hunch. I don't know. But, but I wonder, you know, for the brave uh, preacher, pastor, worship leader, looking at peace, mm -hmm. um, you know, that might not be a, a bad direction to consider. Yeah. Um, just take some time to look at what's going on. Yes. Yep. The headlines, it's almost like uh, the headlines... What's that old saying? Preach with a Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other, something like that. So when I, you know, when I first heard that was, <laughs> was uh, back in the, oh, I was probably in high school. <clears throat> yeah. And that's when people were looking for world events to find out when Armageddon was taking right, place. Right, right. And I always linked that newspaper yep. thing is trying yep. to find out when you know the grasshopper looking at helicopters were going to attack some somebody in the yep. Middle East and they were from Russia and it's like. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that is the baggage I have with that one oh, yeah. as well. Yeah, but I think the quote was it from Karl Barth. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, and I don't think he bought into the dispensational stuff. So no, I don't no, think that was his intention. Not what he meant. I think he had much more along the ideas of you know what God's story is still unfolding all around us. 
So in a, in a different vein, some other resources, and I, I sent them to you on a Facebook message. Okay. Now there were some YouTube videos. Yeah, oh yes. And since we got your audio hooked up, they might be some to look at uh, or listen to. But there's um, three songs that, that caught my attention thinking about the second week of, uh, of Advent. Okay. And uh, I, I first, maybe the first one I was thinking of uh, is a guy named Ryan Colwell. Okay. Are you familiar with him? Not a little bit, not really. You don't strike me as a country music type. <laughs> Which would be if you knew me when I was younger. Yeah, well, heck, you're from Howell, I guess. <laughs> That's right. That's about all there was until the fiber optics <laughs> came through. Um, and set me free from the, con the country music tyranny. But hang on, you know that our favorite band is the Ava Brothers, and they are Americana. Americana. Yes, which is a fancy way of saying country. No, 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 no. <laughs> they, are, they, are, they are out of, they go from rock and roll to yes. folk rock, yep. folk Americana. Yeah, that's right, that's right. <laughs> but, Neo folk. But I heard, I heard Ryan Colwell interviewed on NPR a couple yeah. months ago. And listening to him speak about kind of the demise of uh, kind of kind of the best of American culture, yeah. And he struck me as uh, Bruce Springsteen trying to talk about the song "Born in the USA." Oh, nice. Which okay, was so it was a song about you know not living up to your promise, not living oh, up to your potential. Oh, yeah, that's right. That's what it was. Yeah, it's not some super America patriotic wasn't a raw raw america's got it right song it's like well here's here where we are okay yeah let's hear a little let's hear a little bit i'm the last american on this earth I like to quit this talking back to work you don't understand me Cause we are not the same You may recognize me But you don't know my name I got my old man's heart And a broke down Chevrolet And I took this job Cause I need the hands I got mouths to feed And I'm a man can't have anything you want This is land of the free I got everything I ask for On the day I turn 16 I got my old man's heart And a broke down Chevrolet into a different direction yeah because i mean it even it, it, the 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 famous line even rhymes with the line before yeah because he says uh what is it where's it at <clears throat> he says oh you can't take it any longer right oh what don't kill you makes you and then it just makes sense it's going to say stronger right but no he says what don't kill you makes you jump into your car and drive away yeah yeah <laughs> mm. This a really, I, uh, I really like that song. It was yeah, that's nice. But like uh, you know, it'd be, it'd be a really fun one to put into a liturgical. You know, have it have it in there like a before a prayer of confession. I don't know. I like it. It's, it's very reflective. A couple other songs in there. There's a new. Um, I guess I'd call it a Christmas song uh, by John Mark McMillan called "Baby Son." Baby Son. And. Uh, Really, uh, one of the things I like about John Mark McMillan, at least a lot of his official videos, they're lyric videos. Yeah. And so, you know, this is one that, 
you know, boy, this, you know, you, you could, you could do this with the church and everybody can sing along. It's, it just needs a little bouncing ball to know when to you know. <laughs> come in here. Yeah. Right. Let's hear a bit of it. Thought you'd come with a crown of gold, a string of pearls, a cashmere robe. We thought you'd clinch an iron fist and rain like fire on the politics. But without a sword, no armored guard. It's all upside down, yep. snow-covered mountains. It's inverted. Yeah, it's somebody's turning the world upside down. Turning the world upside down. Yeah. And uh, the mountains, like you said, no longer the high. Yeah. The, hill, the hills, well, the hills are lowered or <laughs> turned right. upside down. The valleys are up. I don't know which way they oh, go when it's upside down. That's crazy. That's good. But, That's but a it's good a, you know, really, really wonderful words. And mm. It's Boy. it's definitely singable with the church. I love it. Uh, it's written kind of in a traditional hymn style in many ways. Right. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah. Okay. Good find. And then the other one that I really really liked, I I whenever especially if it has anything to do with immigration, refugees, or anybody, I just go to the brilliance. The brilliance. And uh, they they have a song called "Welcome to the Darkness," which you know I was kind of thinking about that also for like Blue Christmas. Yeah. You know on the twenty first. That's right, Blue Christmas. Yeah. And, uh, but it's, uh, again, I, I, like, I like lyric videos, and I don't know if anybody's going to sing this one, but it'd be fun to, you know, use to have, have it uh, played or, or performed in a congregation. Oh, yeah. Okay, here we go. Welcome to the darkness, the brilliance. Welcome to the darkness. Fear will let you in. Exclusion Who is out and who is in Systems of belonging Lock us in a cage We fear those who are different to see them Never speak their name 
subtle no no and uh, what's what i i guess it's a it's a haunting yeah um tune um gentle mm. yep. uh, in many ways but the words are bam it just keeps on pounding on you <laughs> man alive oh that's yeah, a good one so, those are some really good yeah. i don't know i think they really expand that idea of peace on that second week Right. Uh, you know, that when it, when it comes to issues of justice and peace, a lot of it's going to have to do with repentance and changing of our ways that work against justice. That's right. Um, changing our idea of who Jesus is when he shows up. He doesn't show up with the armed guards. and He doesn't show up with all the trappings of royalty. Mm -mm. And, you know, mm -hmm. those, yeah. Oof. On the underside of the kingdom. Yeah, so I think that's kind of fun. Oh, that's good. That's good, man. Good resources. All right. Well, <laughs> I don't know how to end this thing, but I do got to go. All right. Hey, um, <laughs> we didn't talk about sports at all. Ah, I know. Uh, let's see. Sports. Oh, you wanted to talk about soccer. Yeah, I don't have a whole lot to say except that uh, the Timbers are uh, in the playoffs, but they're like ranked number what? One, two, three, four, five, fifth or two. They're behind, oh, the Seattle Sounders, their arch nemesis. That's right. But uh, they got a game coming up, uh, I think, on the 25th, so hopefully they'll be able to surpass. Uh, oh, I'm trying to remember who they're playing, but um, hopefully they'll move forward, get out of the hole. I, uh, I don't know a lot about soccer, though this summer I did try to learn a little bit yeah. more because, of course, my daughters play soccer. And right. I kind of – and my oldest daughter is now getting to the level where they're starting to put in rules that I don't understand. <laughs> you right. know? So I was like, well, I got to try to figure out some of this. And of course the world cup was this. Yeah. Last, was this yeah. So I thought, well, well, it's a good time. And I, I didn't understand soccer for years. And then our son who, our oldest son who grew up kind of hating sports has just some kind of, got a Marxist critique. It's just herd mentality. And it's like <laughs> all those team spirits just, just a bunch of, you know, hooey. And, <laughs> and uh, then he got hooked on soccer because there's a strong protest element to it. That's right. That's and a right. uh, real blue-collar background to it, especially in, in uh, England. Yeah. yeah and, uh, right. So he really got into it because it really fed that, that Marxist critique. That is hilarious. And uh, so, so he lived with us a couple of years ago, and I said, hey, you got to teach me to enjoy soccer. There you go. And so while he was in Boise, we went to a pub in Boise that was committed to the to the uh, Portland tri uh, Timbers. Oh, that's awesome. So we'd go there and watch Timbers game, and I'd say, I don't know what I'm looking at. Teach me. That's so cool. And uh, so now it's, now it's something that I kind of enjoy. That's cool. I like yeah. that. So, yeah, I, I'm going to continue to learn more because I do enjoy, you know, a lot of elements of it. And it is kind of that you're talking about the – we're, we're talking about uh, caravan coming up and going to be here by the second. You know, the soccer, it really is, in a lot of senses, a leveler of the, the ground, you know, because oh, yeah. any poor kid can get anything that they can kick around, you know, on the street oh, yeah, and yeah. become, you know, a, a star, <laughs> an amazing. Well, it, one of the things that I really liked about the Portland Timbers is a few years ago, maybe a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, there was a, a team in uh, a kid's team, a club team in the Boise area where the coach was getting hate mail and threats because um, the international kids who were there, oh. you know, and it was, it was, you know, there were, there were refugee kids and they weren't just all neighborhood kids or whatever. Yep. Anyway, there's just some, you know, it was some nastiness. Mm. And uh, so the, the Timbers came over to Boise and did some clinics and worked with this, this team and, you know, welcomed others to come. And the, oh, the Timbers, so cool. as well as a lot of other soccer clubs. I mean, these, 
they're the teams are from all over the world. That's right, man. You know, they all and, and a lot of them have had experience of immigration or refugee status. So That's right. it was it's it just was pretty cool for them to, you know, hop on a plane, take off from uh, Portland and come on out and spend some time oh, in Boise. That's really cool. Yeah. Good story, man. Good one to end on. Yep. Hey, well, see you next week. Yes, sir. Same, All right. Same ATHB. Oh, I see. Oh, that's holy. But ATHB time. Same yeah. ATHB podcast. There we go. Hey, put it, why don't you play some outro music? Which one do you want to hear? I don't know. What do you want to hear? Oh, man. It's up to you. <clears throat> Boy, you had to do this to me. Why don't you sing? Sing something from uh, Bye Bye Birdie. <clears throat> okay. Let's see. And then you can spit it out. <laughs> for he's a fine and dandy, patriotic, healthy, normal American boy. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> all, right, all right. I'll turn off the recording now.